I want a city where people want to live, people want to invest, and people want to visit. That strikes me as uh, the essential characterization of any successful place. Hello to all of our subscribers and welcome to the Investment Insights Podcast with Select Property. I'm Amber Fur, and today I'm so excited and honoured to be here with Sir Howard Bernstein. Thank you so much, Sir Howard, for joining me today. You're very welcome, Amber. Um, do you want to just start by giving everyone a bit of an overview? It's probably quite a difficult task in the time we've got, but to your kind of role um, in Manchester's recent history. Um, well, I was... Um uh, Deputy Chief Executive of Manchester in in 1985. I then became um, Chief Executive in 96. And I was Chief Executive in Manchester for nearly 20 years. I am now, um, uh, one of my privileges nowadays is that I'm a Professor of Politics at Manchester University. I'm a non-executive chair of the Vita Group. Uh, which Select is closely uh, associated. Um, I also do regeneration-based work for a global practice called Deloitte, and I also work with City Football Group uh, down the road here uh, in supporting their development aspirations as well. You would have seen so much transformation over that period, from Manchester being a relatively neglected northern city to now being the capital of the north. So what has that transformation looked like? And to you, what are the key factors? Um, it's been a very long journey. I think that would be the starting point. I think to give um, the full answer to, to that question, I think it's important to recognise what people like me inherited at that stage where the city was at. Uh, we were um, one of the foremost uh, industrial cities uh, noted for production, manufacturing, making things, uh, but quite a lot of that industry disappeared. Um, I've often said that Manchester was actually one of the first casualties of globalisation uh, when we saw so much of our uh, economic uh, sectors disappear to different parts of the world and what we were left with was a legacy of industrial dereliction. And it took uh, Manchester, along with other uh, cities at that time, quite a bit of time to adapt uh, how it needed to uh, shape its own long-term future, having regard to uh, changes in globalised market forces. So what Manchester did was focus on its strengths, you know, work out... Uh, what were those sectors of economic growth that had the potential to drive the city forward? We focus a lot on science, commercial, professional services, the creative industries. Uh, those for us were always seen as strengths. Um, as the history of Manchester shows with the music scene, etc. We've always been a centre of innovation um, where we pioneered different things, a city of firsts, even in the last century, you know, where the first computer was built, where the atom was first split, even down to clean air zones, uh, public libraries, railways. So Manchester's had a remarkable heritage and remarkable history to build on. Uh, and we, what we felt was what we needed to do was to start to recalibrate 
the economic growth of the city, focusing, as I said, on our strengths, uh, and also exploiting the inherent advantages of Manchester, uh, the excellence then of our wider transport network, the fact that 10, 12 million people within an hour, an hour and a half drive of Manchester can access the city, so important mm -hmm. in, in creating the largest labour pool in the UK outside London. Um, our airport, which has always been a great strength, the way in which it connects us to international markets. Uh, and what we've carefully done over a period of 30 years or more is, is actually craft not just the narrative, but a framework for economic uh, change, as well as a framework for creating what we would describe as strong, stable, sustainable communities, communities where everyone who lives and works in Manchester can share in our success. Okay, amazing. So you touched there on one of Manchester's key <coughs> strengths being its sort of creative and cultural presence. Um, and of course, you talked about the music scene. So obviously Oasis, the Stone Roses, it's got a huge, huge legacy. Um, but I think it's amazing that Manchester has succeeded in really pushing that strength to the next level. And I think it is still that creative sort of heritage and attraction that is bringing people into the city today. Yeah. Um, so in 2023 then, uh, it's already been a huge year for Manchester. There's some incredible openings that are either coming up this year or that have been announced this year. A huge one being Factory International. So how, for you, do you think that Factory International will really kind of firm Manchester's position as a cultural capital and continue that legacy? Um, I think it's important to recognise that it's not just about creating platforms where artistic excellence is celebrated. That's always been uh, important. Um, you go to any major city in the world and what you see is wonderful examples, different examples, but nonetheless, wonderful examples of how uh, artistic excellence and content can be celebrated. We've always seen it as an engine of growth mm. as well. Um, you know, uh, young, younger people, uh, want to celebrate diversity. Younger people want to be part of this, uh, of the tech revolution. Younger people want to be part of a wider creative industry. Uh, and therefore we uh, have looked at uh, culture and sport uh, as a mechanism for driving those sorts of outcomes uh, as well. That's one of the reasons I believe why most young people, when they come to universities in Manchester today, 100,000 or more, uh, um, when they um, graduate, they choose to stay in Manchester yeah. to build their career. That wasn't always the case, but now they can access jobs in the creative industries. They can access commercial and professional services careers. They can access all of those wonderful jobs uh, which uh, a city like Manchester can now uh, provide. There was a time, perhaps 20 years ago or more, where they had to go to London to access those jobs. Not any longer. People want to stay uh, in Manchester. The Factory International is, I think, one of the uh, most important examples of how we can take that type of uh, development to a new to a new level because it won't just be a series of uh, 
platforms for celebrating art form across all the spheres, whether it's uh, music, whether or not it's dance, whether or not it's uh, plays, etc., or indeed exhibitions. Uh, through Factory International Academy, we're also creating the opportunity where young people can actually secure access to the skills which underpins their long-term career in a cultural uh, industry. Uh, and building on the huge success of Manchester International Festival, which in a little more than 12 years has secured global acclaim because of all the... Uh, artistic content of those festivals is all about new commissions, mm. building on the philosophy of Manchester being the original modern city. Uh, I think I think that offers us huge, huge opportunities for the future, which we're going to be determined to to uh, leverage in every way possible. Yeah, absolutely. I think, as you said, the sort of amount of young people who are now attracted to live, work, spend time in Manchester. I think just walking around here now, there's such a buzz in the city. You know, I just went for lunch in Feel Good Club at lunchtime on a Tuesday and it's completely busy, full of, you know, all sorts of different people um, and just kind of chatting to each other. And I think that that is something that is really Mancunian and it's sort of an intangible spirit that it's really kind of hard to to define unless you've been here and walked around Manchester? I think Manchester's a very inclusive place. I think people of all ages uh, feel at home here. People of all faiths, all, from all different communities feel at home here. They're welcome, they're celebrated. They're encouraged to reach their full uh, potential. You can't do that uh, without having also the range of job opportunities which we've been determined to provide our young people uh, in the past. Uh, and I believe uh, all the investments that we've made, all the investments we've encouraged the government and others to make, the private sector as well, is creating a truly global city, uh, which is not only driving uh, growth and prosperity for the whole of the north of England and ultimately the UK, but is providing improve life chances for everyone who lives here. Okay, so what about the residential sector in Manchester? Um, it's now been nicknamed Manhattan because of the evolving skyline. Um, and I think placemaking and community are absolutely key in the residential sector. You know, you can't just sort of put these buildings up and not account for the public realm. Um, the eateries that you choose all have to be right to sort of and have to be reflective, as you say, and inclusive of Manchester's population as well. How important do you think placemaking and community is in these new build-to-rent schemes? It's, it's essential. Um, we, we've never um, adopted a stringent policy about, about density. Uh, we've never adopted a stringent policy about building height in the council. Uh, because what we've recognised is that we have to take a flexible approach to all of those things, recognising the characteristics of the places we're actually talking about, which will be subject to development. And therefore, we've always adopted a very clear view about what role and functionality we want each of our places, which make up this great regional centre, to fulfil in the long term uh, uh, vision 
for Manchester and therefore what sort of place we want it to be, what sort of jobs do we want to see created, uh, what sort of communities do we want to see benefiting, what sort of talent do we want to attract, requires a very deep, clear analysis of place. Uh, and I think wherever you go in Manchester, no one would ever argue that Manchester doesn't seem to be stitched together. It's functional, it's connected, because we try very, very hard to actually make different places work to support the overall um, sense of, of, of success. Um, and um, I think that's worked. That's not to say there are not things we, we shouldn't improve on. Quite a lot of the things which are holding Manchester back are linked to national uh, government policy. And it's one of the reasons why uh, I've just I've been a very, very strong supporter of devolution. Uh, Manchester was at the forefront of that debate, got the big man devolution deal um, in, in 2013. Uh, and we're looking forward this week, I think, to see that deal uh, expanded even further. Government starts to recognise uh, that the more you, the more that part of our success, the part of success, not just of Manchester, but our other major cities, is linked to uh, giving people the ability to shape their own places, to shape their own priorities, and deliver change. Okay, so just that devolution point. Would you mind just expanding on what that is for any viewers <coughs> that might not be aware? Um, we live in this country. Um, in probably the most centralised system of government in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, so um, a system which enables national government to determine most of the things which we can do. Yeah. Um, so our ability to act, uh, to pursue our own priorities is not uh, un unlimited. Uh, it is restricted in, in some respects. Manchester has booked the trend um, because perhaps we've been um, uh, slightly uh, creative in the way in which we've gone about our task, the way in which we've developed years ago our own investment models, which gave us our own capability, not as reliant on for government funding as perhaps other places were. Um, because of our ability to forge partnerships with the private sector, yeah. because of our own ability to invest. Uh, but there's a limit to how creative we can be without having to see significant powers uh, transfer from national to local government. And we've seen that. Yeah. The emergence of the mayor in Andy Burnham, uh, our ability to, to create a very strong, even better public transport system than the one that uh, I was largely responsible for uh, 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, our ability to uh, innovate around skills, our support for our communities through different public service uh, priorities, I think will be massively enhanced by devolution. Uh, and I'm pleased to see that uh, what government have signaled is that will continue uh, to be the policy uh, in the future, on that basis, um, um, Manchester's potential is limitless. Okay, incredible. So just on that then, so um, Ian Brown, lead singer of the Stone Roses, once famously said that Manchester has everything except a beach. Of course, that is 
recently <laughs> a statement that has changed, um, much to everyone's disbelief. So Manchester has just announced Firm Manchester um, at Trafford Park, which of course will bring an urban oasis beach. And not that I think that's going to completely transform Manchester as a city, but I think it is a sort of larger than life symbol of Manchester's limitless potential, like you say. And I think it's interesting that the phrase, the capital of the North, yes, Manchester, of course, is, and you could argue always has been. But I also think it's emerging finally completely out of London's shadow and is no longer being compared to London and sort of now is standing on its own two feet and being compared to international cities like New York, Melbourne, Barcelona. What do you think is next for Manchester? It's continue that journey. Um, we've never been hung up. Uh, about London. I think London's been more hung up about us, actually. Um, <laughs> threatened. Uh, threatened. Um, you know, a country of our size can afford to have one um, national engine of growth. Yeah. Uh, London is a global city. Nothing that's going to happen, uh, in my view, is going to change that status yeah. not in our lifetimes. Uh, Manchester has got the capacity to grow more uh, and achieve more and more of its potential and that's what uh, I was uh, committed to do and that's what the current leadership of Manchester is desiring to do as well and this and the only thing that can hold Manchester back is restrictions placed on it by by national government and thankfully those are moving away we have a private sector here which in terms of creativity and endeavor stands comparison with anywhere uh, in the world you know, our own founder, uh, you know, Mark Scott, probably yeah. the most, one of the most entrepreneurial uh, yeah. people uh, we will ever work with. Yeah. Uh, certainly the most entrepreneurial I've ever worked with. Yeah. Uh, and there's been quite a few uh, who who run in close. Uh, but there are others, you know, the people who've uh, rebuilt our entire office uh, stock, made brave moves when we had created Spinning Fields uh, 20 years ago. Uh, which now, you know, was a, a, a landscape of derelict buildings. Yeah. You know, Manchester uh, Court, the education book, it was horrendous. Uh, <laughs> but through joint partnership, endeavour, uh, our own limited investment, we were able to start to move um, this, this, these things forward. And what we've created now is, is, is a city where everyone feels part of it, or most people feel part of it, a city which celebrates its achievements, but doesn't look too back on, on, on them and says, right, we're as good as our last failure, so let's keep going. <laughs> uh, a city which actually uh, understands how the market really needs to operate in order to attract the levels of international trade of investment, which we all know is absolutely essential to underpin long-term success. So you mentioned previously about the sort of vision for Manchester's job market, for its residents, and for its lifestyle, and the lifestyle that Manchester provides for people. What is that vision? And how, to what extent has your vision that you initially set out to achieve been achieved? I, I, let's keep this very simple. Um, you can talk about economically how Manchester is going to be a global international city, you know. I, I want to, I, and that's true, but I want a city where 
People want to live, want to live. People want to invest and people want to visit. That strikes me as uh, the essential characterization of any successful place. Mm. Uh, and by continuing to develop the strategies and the priorities, delivering in partnership with a variety of stakeholders, there is no limit to what Manchester can achieve in those terms. 20 years ago or more, the Manchester population was less than 350,000. It's now over 600,000. Yeah. Uh, that is a remarkable transformation. Who's to say what the population of Manchester will be in another uh, 20 years? The one thing I do know is that we shouldn't just judge ourselves on size and scale. We should also judge ourselves on the quality of life that the people who live here enjoy. Uh, and I'm very confident that the quality of life people have here today is a lot better than the quality of life they had a decade or more ago. Yeah. And if we are able to continue on our journey, it will be better still in the future. Absolutely. And I think so many people now, as you said, are choosing to live in Manchester. Um, I think initially with factors like HS2, um, we kind of saw a house price increase both in Birmingham and Manchester um, because there was sort of the expectation that now many Londoners who might want to keep their London wage and their London jobs are able to commute um, to Manchester, to Birmingham, to these regional cities for more affordable rent, better amenity and probably a better lifestyle. But I think now we're actually seeing, as you said, with the job market transforming as well, people not only choosing to to live in Manchester, but choosing to work in Manchester as well. And I think these, you know, big kind of blue chip employers that would previously have had just London headquarters, we are seeing a north shoring trend um, and they're choosing Manchester as well, aren't they? Well, they are. And they're choosing Manchester for a very good reason, actually. It's because they can attract the, the talent here. Yeah. Um, part of the reason why uh, people have been moving out of London have been a few examples uh, which we know about. So yeah. Some of the big... T is that they're having the greatest difficulty in retaining staff. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Manchester has got this huge talent pool, which we've absolutely driven remorselessly yeah. <laughs> uh, over the last 20 years. Uh, and, you know, I talk to, you know, organisations, businesses uh, all the time, and, and they're still saying to me, we are securing access to talent today in the same proportion that we were 10 years ago when we first came here. Uh, and that, for me, demonstrates the longevity of, of our plan and its long-term sustainability. And whilst we continue to build uh, remorselessly on our huge uh, higher education strengths, particularly our universities, uh, where, you know, some of the best universities in the world here, yeah. you know, got groundbreaking uh, awards in, in terms of scientific and academic uh, endeavor, yeah. You know, people want to come to Manchester, not just because it's a great city and they can have a good time, uh, even though that's very important. They also want to come to Manchester because they want to learn, they want to study, they want to get on in their life. And that has been the Manchester story for generations. And I'm just very pleased to be able to see the Manchester of today. 
uh, and the success of our transformation. International uh, investors, uh, I think, look at a number of things before they make decisions. Uh, some of them go right to the heart of whether or not they're going to make money. <laughs> um, and some of them are fundamentally linked to their own personal values as people and as organisations. Uh, I think Manchester happily has managed to find a way of marrying those two things. Uh, so people want to invest here, A, because we've got the propositions, we've got the uh, partnerships that bring things forward, which are compelling, and people know because of the inherent growth class of Manchester that are going to make money. Uh, on the As well, people also want to see uh, a city which is progressive, which is making real progress, which is rolling back the frontiers of what cities should be about and how cities should be functional. Uh, I think we see that as well in Manchester now. Uh, they want to be part of a story uh, around success and they also want to be part of a story uh, which measures uh, economic uh, uh, and viability uh, success as well. Sir Howard, that's been such an insightful conversation. Thank you so much for chatting to me today. No, not at all. And for everybody watching or listening, thank you so much for joining us. Please subscribe on YouTube or listen to our future podcasts on Spotify, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts.